solidify. I described this motive, or rather family of motives, as oikophilia, the love and feeling for home, and I set out the conditions in which oikophilia arises and the task of the state in making room for it. I defend local initiatives against global schemes, civil association against political activism, and small-scale institutions of friendship against large-scale and purpose-driven campaigns. Hence, my argument runs counter to much of the environmental literature today, and may be greeted with scepticism by listeners who nevertheless share my central concerns. For this reason, I've explored the first principles of practical reasoning, and the ways in which rational beings can reach cooperative solutions to problems that cannot be addressed either by the individual or by the centralized state. I'm critical equally of top-down regulations and goal-directed movements, and see the environmental problem as arising from the loss of equilibrium that ensues when people cease to understand their surroundings as a home. This loss has many causes, but not the least among them is the wrong use of legislation and the fragmentation of society that comes about when the bureaucrats take charge of it. Work on this book has been made possible by my position as resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, where I have been fortunate to find the collegiate atmosphere and open-minded opposition of which I was in need. I've benefited from conversations with many colleagues there, and in particular from discussions with Kenneth P. Green, Lee Lane, Stephen Hayward, and Christopher C. DeMuth. I also wish to thank Kimberly Hudson and Carrie Ann Hopkins for invaluable editorial assistance, and Tony Curzon Price, Angelika Krebs, Ian Christie, Alicia Gestinska, Mark Sagoff, and David Wiggins, who patiently read through earlier drafts and rightly reproached me for my many errors, not all of which have been corrected. Scrutopia, July 2010. Chapter 1. Local Warming The environmental movement has recently been identified, both by its supporters and by many of its opponents, as in some way on the left, a protest on behalf of the poor and the powerless against big business, consumerism, and the structures of social power. But that image is highly misleading. In Britain, the environmental movement has its roots in the Enlightenment cult of natural beauty, and in the 19th century reaction to the Industrial Revolution, in which Tories and radicals played an equal part, and the early opposition to industrial farming joined guild socialists like H.J. Massingham, Tories like Lady Eve Balfour, secular gurus like Rudolf Steiner, and eccentric radicals like Rolf Gardner, who borrowed ideas from left and right, and who has even been identified by Patrick Wright as a kind of fascist. American environmentalism incorporates the nature worship of John Muir, the radical individualism of Thoreau, the transcendentalism of Emerson, the ecocentrism of Aldo Leopold, and the social conservatism of the Southern Agrarians, a group of writers typified by the nostalgic poet Alan Tate, and represented in our day by Wendell Berry. French environmentalism is the child of pay-real conservatives like Gustave Thibon and Jean Giano, while the German Greens have inherited some of the romanticism of the early 20th century Van der Vogel movement, as well as the vision of home and settlement so beautifully expressed by the German romantic poets, 
and taken up in our time both by the ex-Nazi Martin Heidegger and, in more lucid and liberal vein, by his Jewish student Hans Jonas. Moreover, environmentalists today are aware of the ecological damage done by revolutionary socialism, as in the forced collectivization, frenzied industrialization, and gargantuan plans to shift populations, rivers, and whole landscapes that we've witnessed in the Soviet Union and China. Left-leaning thinkers will not regard those abuses as the inevitable result of their ideas. Nevertheless, they will recognize that more work is needed, if the normal conscience is to be persuaded that socialism is the answer, rather than one part of the problem. At the same time, they seldom recognize any affinity with the right, and often seem to regard conservatism as a dirty word, with no semantic connections to the conservation that they favor. The explanation, I believe, is that environmentalists...